morning again, CC. How are you guys doing this morning? We good? So good to be with you guys as always. And I want to give a shout out to anyone who's joining us online. I don't think we give you guys enough credit, but it is a big deal that even from the comfort of your home or if you're out of town, that you're still connecting and being a part of this community. So can we give it up for everyone who's joining us online today? So I want to kick off today playing a game with you guys. And maybe you're familiar with this game. It's called Two Truths and One Lie. Has anybody ever played this game? Raise your hand if you have. And the objective of the game is this, is that I'm going to share three things about myself. And your job is to try to figure out which of those two things are true and which one of those things is a lie. Y'all got it? Now, if you know me, don't ruin it for the rest of the crowd, okay? Can we do that? So let me share the first one this morning. I own 39 pairs of sneakers. If you think that's true, raise your hand. If you think that's a lie, raise your hand. Okay. All right, let's go to the next one. I almost drowned in Hawaii and Debbie saved my life. If you think that's true, raise your hand. If you think that's a lie, raise your hand. Okay, that was pretty even there. And then the third one is, I've never thrown up in my life, and as in vomited. If you think that's true, raise your hand. And if you think that's a lie, raise your hand. Okay. So I'm going to reveal to you guys which is which, okay? So the first one was, I own 39 pairs of sneakers. That is a lie. I do not own 39 pairs of sneakers. I own a good amount of sneakers, but not 39. That's a lot, okay? Which means the other two are true, is I've never thrown up in my life, and I know that's hard for you to believe, but that's how God created me for some weird reason. Debbie can attest to that. My parents will be in here second service, and you guys can walk up to them and ask them yourself. For whatever reason, I've never thrown up. I've gotten close, but never have followed through, okay? And then the other one was that I almost drowned in Hawaii and Debbie saved my life. That is 100% true, and I'd love to tell you that story on a different day. But she is my lifesaver in more than one way, let me tell you that. Now, in order for you to be good at this game of two truths and one lie, what has to happen is you have to be so good at blending the truth with the lie in such a way where people cannot tell the difference. And I think that so many times we start to believe certain lies that eventually they blend so well into our lives that we can't tell the difference. We start to believe things that were spoken about us when we were young and we took that and thought this is truth. And it's not until we're exposed to real truth that we start to realize, wait a minute, I was never meant to live this way. Wait a minute, that's not something that God says about me. And we are able to identify a lie in that moment. So we're in this series right now called Verses, Verses, Truth Versus Lies, and Pastor Aaron did a phenomenal job last week tackling the lie that I'm not good enough for Jesus to love me. And we've established that he will never love you more than he loves you now, so let me kind of take some weight off of your shoulder this morning as a reminder. There's not a certain amount of church service that you have to attend before he starts loving you. There's not a certain amount of Bible that you have to read before he starts loving you. There's not a certain amount of good acts or a certain amount of holy things that you have to do in order for him to start loving you. But we've established that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and he died for us. He took the first step before we took any step. Amen? 
So before we go into the mess, let's, let's set that in stone right there. Because if we can grasp that truth, it will change our lives. It will allow us to receive today from what he has to say to us. Let me pray with you guys. Father, we thank you, God. It is evident that your presence is in this place, God. And we don't want to take for granted or downplay the fact that the presence of the Almighty King is here today. God, in an instant, things can change, God, because your presence is here. God, in an instant, we can see healing because your presence is here. God, you can start the process of healing us today, Jesus, because your presence is here, God. You're not a God that's dead. You're not a God that's antiquated. God, you are alive and you are active, Father. And I believe that today your desire is to draw near to us as we draw near to you, God. So, Father, we put ourselves in a position to receive this morning. And we say, have your way, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. Tug at our hearts. Draw us near to you right now. God, I believe that you're going to expose lies today, God. And I believe that you're going to bring truth to replace those lies today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. So there are lives we've established that can work their way into our lives so much so that we can't tell the difference between truth and lie sometimes. And, and the lie that we're tackling today is this one, is I have to look out for myself. I have to look out for myself. So what does it look like for someone to look out for themselves? Is many times this is what it looks like, is I think of me first. I don't consider how the decisions that I make are going to affect those around me. I'm looking out for myself. I'm getting my bag, right? Above all, I live to do what makes me happy and what I think is right. I have to look out for myself is the lie that we're tackling today. And this is a belief that maybe along the way we've acquired and we've brought into our belief system. Maybe we've never verbally said it, but it's an action that's reflected in our lives on a daily basis. Maybe at some point you were in a dating relationship or you invested a lot in a friendship and the people that you trusted let you down. And so maybe you never verbally said it, but from that moment you made a decision to say from now on, I'm going to look out for myself. Maybe you've trusted people so much and they've taken advantage of you that that's the way that you live. It's when I make decisions, I think of me above all. Or maybe you literally had to look out for yourself growing up because you, were, you lived in a house where your parents were working all the time to try to provide or they were caught up following a definition of success. And so you found yourself after school having to take care of yourself and maybe even your siblings, right? And so this kind of worked its way into the way that you believe and the way that you live and it's carried into your adulthood. Because you literally had to look out for yourself. But if you've ever heard me preach, I've mentioned this, is that when we fully surrender our life to Jesus, there will come a time where what we believe and what we think is right is tested. When we start to read the Bible and we're challenged by what the Bible says. And now we have a choice to make. Do I do what I feel is right or do I do what Jesus is asking me to do? And come on now, that's the daily battle that we're facing, right? The battle between what I want to do and what I think is right, and I need to look out for myself in the battle of what I'm called to do as a follower of Jesus. 
I'm going to step out a little bit and say that if your belief system and your lifestyle has not been challenged, then I would argue that maybe you haven't fully surrendered it all to Jesus. Because when you do, it will be challenged. And we have a choice to make in that moment. And if you do not know that you're in a battle, follower of Jesus, you've already lost. You've already lost. Paul in the Bible refers to this battle as something that we don't use or terminology that we don't use on a daily basis. But he says it's the battle between the spirit versus the flesh. Everybody say the spirit versus the flesh. The spirit is the part of me that as a follower of Jesus desires to honor Jesus and to obey what Jesus says. That's the spirit. But the flesh is the part of me that wants to do the opposite of what Jesus says. It's the sinful part of me. And it's even animalistic in nature because I can look out for myself and say, whatever I got to do in order for me to feel good, I will do it. At all costs, I will do what makes me feel good. That's the flesh. And aren't we familiar with the flesh? Maybe we've never coined it with that phrase or that word, but the flesh is the pride that shows up in an argument that I have to win. The flesh is the decisions that we make when we know those decisions lack integrity, but this is what will put more money in my pocket, and this is what will help me to be on top. The flesh is the times that I know Jesus is asking me to do something, but I'm choosing to follow culture. The flesh is the times that I know I should serve others, but I have to look out for myself. I mean, think about it for just a second. How many times have you ever been sitting in a church service? Something speaks to you. It connects with your spirit, and you know God is asking you to do something, and you say, man, I need to make some changes. God, in this moment, I'm making that decision. But then Monday comes around, right? And you still have the same coworkers, and you're still living in the same home, right? And you're still facing the same temptations on social media and what's on your screen, and you lack the ability to follow through. That's the battle between the spirit versus the flesh, and it happens on a daily basis. The same Paul that just dropped that knowledge about the spirit versus the flesh drops one of the realest and most rawest bars that I can ever say, and it's this. He says, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I hate, I do. Can anybody relate with that this morning? Come on now. What I want to do during the week, I don't do. And the things that I hate, I continue to do over and over again. Why do I continue to lose my temper? Why do I continue to go off on my spouse? Why do I continue to hurt my children? Why do I continue to make decisions that lack integrity? Why do I continue to give in to the temptation of what's on my screen? God, I desire to be obedient to you. That's my spirit, but the flesh is pulling me in the different direction. It's a daily battle that we're facing, and this lie of I have to look out for myself shows up in that nature of the flesh. As a follower of Jesus, we are in a daily battle between the spirit and the flesh. Look at what Galatians 5.16 through 17 says, and if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to start opening up your Bible and not just read what's on the screen, okay? Okay? Now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but there's something about us taking that action and saying, let me go search it for myself, right? 
getting familiar with how to be able to open up a Bible. I know it's on our phones, but I still believe in paper Bibles, right? Not that one is holier than the other. Let me clarify that, okay? But look at what Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says. It says, so I say, I walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Can y'all see that battle there? They don't get along. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Let's take inventory for just one minute here. What would you say your life is primarily marked by? Decisions led by honoring and obeying Jesus or decisions led by what you want to do? Stop and just think about that for just a second here. When you think about the decisions that you made this week, were they decisions that were led by honoring and obeying Jesus Or were they decisions led by what you want to do? You don't have to answer out loud, but that's the conversation that I want you to have within yourself right now. I think as we start to answer that question, we will quickly realize that we are in a battle, right? We're in a battle between the spirit and the flesh. This week, I... um, Pastor Caleb and I decided to go to lunch at Chick-fil-A, and he probably knows what I'm about to share. And uh, I'm going to flex on y'all in the most humblest way this morning. But if you have the Chick-fil-A app, I am what's called a signature member, okay? That is the highest level that you can get to with Chick-fil-A, meaning that I know their menu from beginning to end. Like, I know all their options. I know when something's coming out. Roger Clark, who owns three Chick-fil-A's here, has sent me multiple rewards just randomly in my app. He probably does that for everybody, but I feel like he's sending it specifically for me. I know Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A knows me. And so we decided to go to Chick-fil-A this week, and we're standing there in line, and I always get the same thing for the most part. It's a number one, no pickles, American cheese, medium fries, half sweet tea, and half diet lemonade. That's my thing right there. That's my jam. That's what I go to every single time. But as we're standing there in line and I'm looking at the number one, I'm thinking, I already know what I'm going to get. Like, that's what I get every single time. My eyes shifted towards a spicy chicken sandwich. And if you've ever had the spicy chicken sandwich, you know what's up. And I'm sitting there, and I start talking to Pastor Caleb. I'm like, man, that spicy chicken sandwich is so good. But then I remembered why I don't eat the spicy chicken sandwich, because every time I do, it messes my stomach up. So I start having a different battle in that moment. The battle between the number one and the number four or three. I can't remember. Which one is it, Hunter? The two. Okay, all right. Hunter works for Chick-fil-A. It wasn't the spirit of the flesh, it was the one and the two, right? And I'm standing there and I'm like, hey, maybe my stomach is stronger now and I can now handle it. And Caleb's kind of looking at me like, okay. So I pull a YOLO move and I'm like, hey, let me get the number two. I go all in, right? We bring the food back. We're here at the church and we're eating and I've got my dipping station. Anybody a dipping station type of person? I've got my my Chick-fil-A sauce. I've got my ketchup, I've got my barbecue, and if I'm feeling a little risky, I'll throw in some ranch, right? 
And so as I'm taking bites, I'm dipping back and forth. I'm looking like a DJ, like just mixing it up, right? Y'all should see me. It's, a, it's an art. It really is. I've got my dipping station every time I eat. Waffle fry, and I just hit it, you know? Um, and so I, I start eating, and I'm like, man, this is so good. Like, you know when you have one of those meals that you get sad when it's about to end, right? That was it for me right there. And, uh, and we finished. I go back to working. Later that night, we had a double date planned with uh, Pastor Caleb and Alita, Debbie and I. And uh, we're sitting there at the table, and we're catching up and just having a conversation. And all of a sudden, I feel a movement in my stomach, the kind where you immediately get chills, right? And you're like, oh, boy. <laughs> but it goes away, so I'm like, I'm good. And I'm laughing and stuff like that. And then it's like the, chick, the chicken sandwich came back and was like, hey, remember me from earlier? Yeah. I can't focus at this point. They're talking, having a great time, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I order my food, and then I turn over to Caleb and, and Debbie and Alita, and I'm like, hey, I had a chicken sandwich earlier. I had a spicy chicken sandwich, and I'm going through trying to catch them up. Caleb knew exactly what was going on. Y'all tell me when the food comes back. I run to the bathroom, and when I talk about demonic activity happening in that bathroom, <laughs> I'm going to spare you the details, but it was not pleasant. And I come back, and uh, everything was good after that. But that was a reminder to me that what I feed myself matters. For some of you, it's dairy in, in your stomach. They don't get along. For others of you, it's spicy food in your stomach. It's like the bloods and the cribs, right? They just do not mesh, and your bathroom knows it very well. But what we feed ourselves matters. Did you know that every day you're feeding either your spirit or your flesh? And what you're feeding yourself matters. Every day we are either feeding our spirit or we're feeding our flesh. And, and how do we know what we're feeding? It's evident in the, the choices in the decisions that we make. It's evident in the life that we live. Am I looking more like Jesus or am I seeing more of my sinful nature dominate? It's that simple. Every single day. There's not a day off. You're either feeding your spirit or you're feeding your flesh. And if I allow this into my life as the question, what will it make stronger? Will it make my spirit stronger and I start to look more like Jesus? Or will it make my flesh stronger and my sinful nature will dominate? Now, I'm not here to give you a list of what you should or shouldn't watch. But I do want to make you aware of the fact that every single day, what you're putting in has an outcome. And I want to teach you how to start asking those questions. What is this feeding right now? I know what everyone else is doing. But that's between you and God. And I'm not here to put my convictions on you and tell you this is the music you should listen to or that's the music you should listen to. But you need to have a conversation with God and get real and say, hey, is this feeding my spirit? Is there a reason why I keep falling into the same temptation over and over again? It could be your spiritual diet and what you're allowing in. But why does it matter so much what we feed ourselves? Because what I feed the most always wins. What I feed the most always wins. I can get frustrated seeing selfishness and the lie of I have to look out for myself, dominate me. But what it really comes down to 
is what I'm feeding the most. And this is what feeding my spirit looks like. It's spending time reading the Bible daily. The emphasis is on the word daily to replace the lies that are filling my mind with the truth of what God says. It's daily being able to make time to talk to Jesus through prayer. It's daily being in community with other followers of Jesus. It's fasting on a regular basis. And I know fasting has become antiquated, and we don't talk about it enough. But, man, I've been reintroduced to the power of fasting, to starving my flesh so that I can feast on the Spirit. That's a different conversation. Go look it up. But that's what feeding our spirit looks like. It's a daily thing. And, and as a side note, I want you to think for just a second, you don't eat a meal on Sunday night and think this is going to last me the rest of the week. Because you will feel the effects of that. Then what makes us think that spiritually one Sunday service is enough? It's daily feeding our spirit by making time to spend with Jesus. And if you don't know what that looks like, that's what we're here to do. Please pull me aside and say, how do I feed my spirit on a daily basis? I will walk you through some steps that have helped me. Feeding my flesh looks like this. It's giving in to every sinful desire and temptation that comes my way. It's what I put before my eyes, what I'm watching. What am I entertaining on social media? What am I allowing to enter through my ears, whether it's through music, media, news, people speaking into my life? You should be able to tell the difference there. Again, I'm not here to give you a list, but maybe help you to start asking the question, if I allow this in, what is this feeding? And what will it produce in me? And I just really felt the need to tell you this this morning. That the power to break addiction and the power to combat that sinful stuff that you feel like you keep falling into over and over again really comes down to what you're feeding the most. And when you start to feed your spirit, you're going to access a power that you currently are not experiencing. Because it's not by your strength. It's not by willpower. Willpower can only get you so far. But it's the supernatural power of Jesus that steps in and says, hey, I'll take it over from here. I want to give you an example of how we combat the flesh, and specifically today, the lie of I have to look out for myself. Is I follow the model of Jesus. Write that down. I follow the model of Jesus. What is the model of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Look at what Philippians 2, 3, verses 3, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Look at what it says. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, the interests of the others. Remember when I said the Bible would challenge our belief system and lifestyle, and now we have a choice to make? That's it right there. And look at what it says. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as who? Christ Jesus, not the same mindset as the culture, not the same mindset as my neighbor, not the same mindset of what's popular, it's the same mindset of Christ Jesus in our relationships. That's your marriage, that's your friendships, those are your coworkers, those are the people here at church, your neighbors, it's having the mindset of Christ Jesus when it comes to the relationship with one another. So what does that mindset of Christ Jesus look like? This is what it tells us. 
Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Jesus could have said, hey, I'm God, and you're here to serve me, and you're here to do what I tell you to do. He could have used that as his his card on how to be able to have the advantage and how to be able to get ahead and how to be able to get what he wants. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, say humbled, by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Why is that significant that it says even death on a cross? Because humility is saying it's not what I want, God, but it's what you want. Jesus could have submitted his request and said, yeah, I'll die for them, but I want to do it in private. I don't want to be humiliated. I want to do it like everyone else likes to die, right, in their sleep, in peace. Instead, He was obedient even to the point of dying on a cross where he hung naked, bled, and humiliated in front of everyone. And that's the position that I'm called to take. It's one of a servant. It's one where I put other people's needs before mine. See, the lie of I have to look out for myself will continually try to pull us away. And it's in those moments where we combat the lie with the following model of Jesus. We see in John chapter 13 this beautiful story of Jesus in his last days here on earth. And Jesus and his 12 disciples are having their very last meal together. And in those days, tables sat lower than they do today. So what did that mean? That meant that feet were closer to food. People walked everywhere and only wore sandals, so you can only imagine how stanky feet were. You think you've experienced some stanky feet today and this time? Those were stanky feet. So if I'm going to eat with you and the table sits lower, I want my feet to be clean so that we can enjoy the feast. And so the custom of that time was that if there was a servant around, he would get down and start washing the feet of the people that were about to eat. But because in their eyes there wasn't a servant around, The Bible says that Jesus got down and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. And they're in shock because they're thinking the goat, the greatest of all time, is taking the lowliest position of a servant and he's washing my feet. They were kind of offended because it even says that Peter pushes back and he's like, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part to do with me. And he says, don't wash my feet only, but my head and everything. He took this position of a servant right before their eyes. And the interesting thing about this is that just a little while ago, the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. Yeah. And Jesus is giving them this model. He says, you want to be great? Serve. Take a low position. Put other people's needs before yours. Matthew 20, 28 says, he came to be served, not to be served, sorry, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Here Jesus was saying, this is how you serve. And in John 13, 15, he closes that moment, it says, by telling them, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. This is the model of Jesus that we're called to follow and how we combat that sinful, selfish nature that says I have to look out for myself. I want to share with you guys one of the primary ways that God has used to combat my selfish nature. Y'all can come up. Come on, babies. This is one of the primary ways that God has used to combat my sinful nature. And I want to make it clear that what I'm about to share with you is not implying that I've got it down 100%. I still drop the ball. There are times that I give in to the lie of I have to look out for myself and what I want. I still apologize to this day because in our first years of marriage, I was so selfish. I thought that life was about me. And we talked about it. We celebrated 15 years of marriage this week. And we were having dinner, and I was just apologizing to her because of how selfish I was those first few years. It's only by the grace of God that we made it. But over time, Jesus has had to work on my heart, and he's shown me that my role is to serve her and to love her the way that Christ has loved the church. And so what I've done is over the years, I've gotten good at knowing what her love language is which is our acts of service and physical touch. So there are times where I'm tired and, and I don't want to wash the dishes, but I know how much that hurts her back. And so I, I step in, not as a perfect man, but I just say, man, let me just do that at least. And there are times where I don't want to be physical and all touchy because I'm not a touchy person. So if you touch me and you get swung on, I'm sorry, okay? I'm joking. But I know that's her love language. And it's interesting the times that God has dealt with me and I've lost my temper and, and we've been in an argument and I'm not hearing what she's saying, but then I go to pray and he says, hey, before we go any further, let me talk to you about some things. The way you talk to Debbie, you need to go back and apologize. And then if this wasn't enough, he gives us our first baby girl, Isa. And I asked her this week, I said, baby, when do you feel like I serve you the best and I love you the most and you feel like you're most connected with me? And she says, when we do things that I love. So I have no business riding a roller coaster at 37 years old, right? My stomach's not as strong as you guys just heard a little while ago. But I pop some medicine and I get on those roller coasters with her and we go to Six Flags. We watch movies together and we have a great time every single year. Just her and I, we go to Six Flags. And then God just blessed me even more if it wasn't enough with my baby, Nora. This is my creative, artistic, just so amazing, just has the imagination that just blows my mind. And I asked her this week, baby, how do I serve you well? What makes you feel loved? And she says, when you take me to the mall and when we do one-on-one -on -one devotionals together. And then if that wasn't enough, God said, let me get creative, real creative with Alexa Rose, my fuzz, right? And I asked her, what makes you feel loved and how do I serve you well? And she says, when we snuggle and we go on dates together. 
And then God just said, I'm going to top it off. And he gave me my big boy. This is my favorite boy in the whole wide world, you guys. See, I told everyone. He always says, you don't tell people. I just told a lot of people. And he loves it when we get down and we play dinosaurs. And he's in a phase right now where he just wants to race me for no reason, right? So we'll just race outside. So if you ever pass by my house, like I look crazy running down the street trying to race him. But every single day, you guys, God shows me how sinful and, and selfish I can be by how I serve them. And I'm grateful for the forgiveness and the grace that they've shown me because I don't always get it right. You can ask them. Men, the best thing you can do is model to your kids how you serve your wife. This is what it looks like. See, you can say you're a follower of Jesus and that you go to church, but how do you treat the people in your home? Can they see progress? Can they see that you're becoming more like Jesus over time? Thank you, guys. Love y'all. Y'all give it up for them. Again, I don't have this down 100%, the temptation to get home and check out on my phone and be on social media and not be present is always there. And there are days where I drop that ball. But what does it look like for you to serve those around you? Starting with your home. Because it's easier for us to go out there and be like, I'm going to serve my coworkers and I'm going to serve my friends. I'm not going to serve my spouse. I'm not going to serve my children. It starts in your home. I've noticed that I've experienced true joy and peace when I let go and I focus on serving those around me. When I serve my wife, when I serve my kids, when I serve my friends, the people around me in my church community. And this is a continual process because everything around us sends the message, look out for yourself, look out for yourself. But Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says, follow my model and you will find true peace. When you lose your life is when you find it. You will find true satisfaction. You will find and live for a greater purpose to glorify me in all that you do. So here's how we're going to end today. I want to give you two action steps, very simple action steps on how we can apply this during this week. Number one, focus on feeding your spirit this week. Focus on daily reading the Bible this week. Being in community with other followers of Jesus. By the way, we have groups this Wednesday. Men, women, if you're not a part of a church community of those around you that are following Jesus, it's very hard to follow Jesus when you're trying to do it alone. It's impossible. Focus on feeding your spirit this week. The second thing that I'll give you as an action step is find a way to serve those around you, starting with your home. How can you serve those in your home? Let me pray with you guys if you can bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to give the opportunity today, as we always do, if there's anyone in this place or if you're watching us online right now, you were scrolling and you just happened to stop, and you know that you do not have a relationship with Jesus. He's not your Lord and Savior. He's not the one that, that is calling the shots. He's not the one that's leading your decisions. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And there's two things that you have to do, very simple, is confess that you're a sinner. Confess that you've missed the mark as we all have. And confess and say, God, I don't have it all together. I've dropped the ball. I've been living for myself. And believe 
believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and him dying on the cross and defeating death paid for all the sin that you could not pay yourself. That him dying on the cross and defeating death puts you in right relationship with God, a holy God. So if this morning that's you and you're saying, hey, I want to confess that I've missed the mark and I haven't been doing what I should be doing. With everyone joining today, can you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Make me clean, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you defeated death. I want to live for you. And I make that decision today. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those that are making that decision? Listen, if you made that decision for the first time, we want to know. Don't let it be something that you did on your own and no one knows. And here's why we want to know, because we want to walk alongside you and teach you how to take those next steps. And so one of the ways to let us know is we have an amazing new life team. You can go to this link, newcommunity.co forward slash new life, and be able to connect with someone and just let them know, hey, I made that decision this morning. What's my next step? So if you made that decision without you raising your hands right now, can you give me your commitment to say, I will reach out to you guys and let you know? Yes? Yes? Online? Yes? Okay, awesome. I want to pray one last prayer for you guys, and that's that God will continue to work in us so that we can serve as he served and help us to live out the model of Jesus this week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for every person that's in this place, Lord. I believe that you've spoken, God, and you've shown us, Jesus, what it is that you're calling us to do. But God, it's one thing for us to know what you're calling us to do, and it's another thing for us to put it into action. So in this moment, God, I pray that you remind us, Lord, that we've been given your Holy Spirit, God, to live this out, that we're not doing this alone, but this week, God, we will serve well, God, because you are with us and because you've given us the strength and the power to do so, Lord. I thank you that this week we're going to access a power, God, through your spirit, Jesus, to overcome temptation, to break the chains of addiction, and God, to break down our selfish nature so that we model Jesus to those around us. In your name we pray, amen and amen.